Welcome to today's episode on the Fulfillment Project podcast. This is Sarah and we have Greer. Hello, everyone. Hello. Greer and I just got done a conversation with Joe Arco, um, my partner. He was on two episodes ago and we're going to have him back for quite a few conversations because he brought so much value and has so much more value uh, to bring to the show to help our listeners. And so Greer, what did we just get finished talking about? Give our listeners a little like a sneak peek of what they can expect here. So Joe had been throwing around this word equanimity. And as you know, I love words. I'm a bit of a word nerd. And the more I looked into it, the more I thought like, you know, we should really do a podcast episode on this because I think it's really important. And Joe also had a bunch of like tips and tricks on how to you know, how do we maintain equanimity? How do we emotionally regulate and manage our states? So that was the conversation we had. I even had some amazing takeaways from it. I thought it was so helpful. And we hope you, dear listener, um, feel the same way as well. Wonderful. Let's jump in. You are listening to the Fulfillment Project Podcast. My name is Sarah Funnell, your host, fellow sister seeker, and author of Follow the Joy, the book on aligned manifestation. This show is your spot for spiritual and personal development. It's your soft landing into a place for you to embody your truth and reclaim your sovereign power. I've been a coach for more than a decade, helping thousands of people transform their lives. And I'll be sharing the most effective and profound tools to help you step into the most abundant, joyful, and fulfilled version of yourself. I'm so glad we found each other here today. My promise to you is that this show will support you to live from a fully embodied and aligned space so that you can reach your goals, share your gifts with the world, and step into a life that is truly your own. Take my hand, dear sister, and let's jump in. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fulfillment Project podcast. Uh, Sitting with me here today, I have Sarah, and Joe is back with us again to talk about something that I think is really important. It's a word. The word is equanimity. And this isn't a word that I use frequently in my vocabulary. And when he sort of brought it to us and gave us the definition of this word, I thought it was so important that we needed to do an entire podcast on it. So to kick us off, Joe, can you define equanimity for us? Equanimity. Can you use it in a sentence, please? Like spelling, like I am spelling looking right to learn how to maintain <laughs> equanimity. The technical definition of equanimity is mental calmness. It's composure and evenness of temper, especially in difficult situations, a.k.a. how you manage stress. I think this conversation is so important. Um, I don't know if there's a human on this planet that goes through life without dealing with something stressful, whether that's, you know, relationship issues, financial struggles, um, employment, uh, family issues, you know, someone cutting you off in traffic and, you know, your stress goes through the roof and it causes an emotion. And I think it's so important for us to understand how to maintain this equanimity. And and Joe, before you and I even really came across this word, it wasn't something that was even in my awareness of like, 
oh, like I can manage my state. <laughs> I don't have to be stressed or I don't have to be angry. I, I just think for people to even understand that like your state is within your control is so important. Well, it's the difference between life is happening to me, therefore I feel this way, or life is happening for me and I'm choosing to feel this way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. To me is the biggest difference. Yeah. And before we dive into all this, I, I do want to take a moment to highlight you, Joe, as someone, you know, I've, we've been together seven and a half years at this point. And the first couple of years of our relationship, your temperament was kind of like a hair trigger. Oh, yeah. And I definitely walked around. I felt like I was walking on eggshells a lot. There was a lot of anger. There was a lot of uh, emotional volatility that came out of you. Um, and your ability to truly, truly work on your equanimity has been like night and day, like night and day. I don't even recognize that old version of yourself now. And to watch your, you keep your composure and maintain your composure and, and practice some of the things that we're going to talk about here today in order to have this shift has just been, I'm honestly just so proud of you. Like just so proud of you. Yeah. I, it has been one interesting journey, that is for sure. Um, if you ask some of my close friends, like people like Andrew, people I grew up with, and, and people that knew me in my, in my late teens and early 20s, you know, my nickname was Angry Joe. And mm. if you took me out to a bar, guaranteed I was getting angry. I was going to start a fight. There, there was something. Like I had so much anger in me for what I perceived as pretty much all my life. There was just so much that I pushed down and I pushed down and I pushed down and I pushed down. And when the opportunity arose, I couldn't even, it was like the incredible Hulk. Like I could feel it coming on and going, ah, fuck, here we go. There was no conscious ability at that point to even, at, at, you know, what I knew back then to control it, or, or at least I didn't have the skills back then to know how to control it. Um, but hopefully I can be a poster child for someone who like, I mean, I, I have been cut off and I have like literally have, I've, chase down cars into parking lots and banging on their door in rage. Um, so angry before. And, and I'm not saying that anger is, it's not a good or bad thing, but my ability to control it was definitely not good. Uh, so to those out there who think, oh no, this is just the way I am. Uh, let me just possibly say that it could be the way you've been programmed to be and, and you know, conditioned to react, but it definitely does not need to be who you are. Yes. And I think this is important as well to understand that our state determines everything, you know, our emotions determine our behaviors. And so if we're not accomplishing or doing or receiving the things in life that we desire, it's really important to look at the state that we're creating in the, the emotions that we're feeling every day. And are they hindering our abilities to truly show up and create the life that we desire? Yeah. Not not just the behaviors, though, but these emotions are also tied to every part of our body, our organs, our That's muscles. True. And so it's not like, oh, I'm stewing in this emotion. No, your entire body is going through emotional toxicity while you hold on to these negative emotions. Mm -hmm. And when I say negative, I don't mean bad or good. I'm referring to more polarity. When we talk about negative emotions, anger, sadness, fear, guilt, hurt, things like that are on the negative side compared to joy, love, happiness, things like that. Um, so not only is, is some of these emotions hindering, like you said, hindering our ability to 
modify our behavior, but they're also taking a huge, and, and, and it took me way too long to figure this out, but it, took, it takes such a huge toll on the body as well. You used to have so much Well, when we first met, you could barely get out of bed in the morning. You could barely put your socks on. Your back was a wreck. And it, it's it been truly transformational to see you now move your body in ways that you couldn't move it seven years ago. Well, I mean, back, shoulders, hips, ankle, knees. I mean, there's a lot of emotional work that's been going on and, and a lot of healing that's gone on. But um yeah, the ability for me to manage my emotions has has made the biggest impact on the pain in my body and lack thereof now. Like I have no inflammation. I can run, I can sprint, I can jump, I can do things that I, I couldn't even do in my mid-20s now. But emotionally, I am not the same human being. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we, we want to talk about some techniques and some tools here. And I know that you do want to give a little bit of um. Uh, a disclosure that, you know, some of the practices that we're going to talk about here are not necessarily the 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 ultimate solution and especially with your own journey with anger we'll use as an example mm-hmm. we have to look at like what was the root of of that and where was that coming mm-hmm. from and so um i know you had something that you wanted to share with the audience about that in terms of the root in terms i mean of- those, those all came down to wounds, you know rejection wounds to abandonment wounds to humiliation wounds just just so many of the life experiences that uh, we all go through. And, and that was my story that I went through. And some of it I thought was fair. Some I thought wasn't. And my representation was just pent up anger. It was, it was just a lot of years of uh, emotions that I didn't get out that uh, kind of start to take its toll. Yeah. It's career. Yeah. And, and Joe mentioned um, like those, those five, uh, psychological wounds. And of course the three of us did a podcast on that. So if you haven't, heard us talk about all of those wounds go back and listen and that'll sort of make a lot more sense of where the unbalanced emotions come from because i know that the tools and techniques you're going to share with us today are solutions for situations but not necessarily getting at the root of those those wounds and where the emotions stem from yeah and i don't even want to say solutions they're options to try they might not even right. be a solution for some people, but they're options to try. Like exercises in the gym, you might get jacked if you do them right. I don't know. <laughs> but they're just <laughs> exercises that we could use to apply to us to see if they work or not. Mm-hmm. Um, before we even get into that, I learned something a while ago that I found fascinating. And it was only in the last year that I actually realized this and learned this was that emotions attach to us for about 90 seconds. And then we decide whether we stay attached to them. That's I'm so going to say this again. Yeah, say that Emotions, again. so external event happens, our eyes see it, we hear it, we experience it, we feel it. Boom, we get hit with this emotion. Emotions attach to us for 90 seconds, then we decide whether we stay attached to it. Mm. So whether we, we used, hold on to the uh-huh. event and the narrative or do we yeah. let it go? Yes, this brings Someone's... me back to this brings me back to like being upset or going through something. You're like, I'm just gonna put on the sad music to make myself. Am I, can I cry? Can I keep crying more? <laughs> and they actually show um, they've shown this with animals, and animals who get chased are in a state of panic and fear. And once that chase is done, they do something interesting. They shake their whole body, and that fear is gone. They go back to eating. They go back to their regular day. 
And you've seen this a lot when you're watching nature shows and there's a lion chasing a herd. Mm-hmm. The lion gets one and the herd's panicky. And suddenly they just all go back to eating, just going, going about their regular day. And sometimes and not ha- far away, for, sometimes not too far away from it as well. You're like, wow, how can that animal just go back to grazing and they can even see that tiger or whatever, like walking away. But that, that perceived danger is now gone. Their nervous system goes, it's not a danger anymore. Shake it off. Go back to what we were doing. Mm-hmm. But we like to go, that bitch, that asshole, how dare they? How could they? Oh, my God. That's so unfair. Why me? Oh, again? If you say those things, you listen to our other podcast on languaging, well, then the brain has to continue matching the emotion to what you're saying. And we had an app that we used to use, and we actually, we're really sorry to the listeners because the app's no longer available. There was an app called the Mood Meter that I fell in love with. And this Mood Meter had a hundred different emotions on it. And every time you felt something you didn't want to do, you clicked on the app and said, I feel this. I feel anxious, or I feel terrified, or I feel threatened, busy, worried, insecure, fragile. But you pinpointed the emotion you were feeling. And this app, I thought, did the most genius thing. As soon as you clicked on the emotion, it asked you a very simple question. Would you like to stay in this emotion, or would you like to shift? Mm. And I remember the first time I downloaded this, and I used it. And I was like, oh, da, 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 da. Oh, I'm feeling like that, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling this. And I clicked on it. And it asked me that question and it stopped me in my tracks because it made me aware that I had choice. Mm-hmm. I'm choosing to stay stuck in this emotion. And that was just so eye-opening. And then on the app, if you say, hey, I want to stay stuck, great, good. But most commonly, like, no, I don't want to. And it'll give you some suggestion based on the emotion that you were feeling. And I thought that was genius. Go out for a walk, take a few deep breaths, talk to someone, reflect, blah, blah, blah. Do something to shift the state. And that's where I feel people are missing it. It's like after 90 seconds, it's on you, man. It's on it's on you after 90 seconds. First 90 seconds is on the universe. It's on, it's on whatever, the event. After that, man, that's on you. And one of our old coaches, I heard him say this years ago, and it attacked me, <laughs> attacked me, his words, because I used to pride myself on, on my anger and, and you know my, the walls that I had and the strength that I thought that it had in there. And when he said, anyone that angers you controls you, and me not like being controlled, shattered. And I take that line one step further. Anyone that controls your emotion controls you. He made me feel this way. Uh Uh-uh. He did something. You decided to feel that way. No one can make us feel anything unless we decide to. And that's where it gave me a lot of, I guess, reclaimed personal power to my emotions, that, that, that phrase. Um, that I wish more people can can grasp, understand, and hopefully have the same outcome with. I love that. So I know this this app isn't available anymore, um, but we wanted to share with you some of our favorite, you know, tips, tricks, tools that we use, uh, so that we can decide if we want to wallow in whatever emotion that we are <laughs> feeling, or if we want to change it and have a different outcome. 
And again, I want to go back to there are no negative emotions. All emotions serve us. And I, I want to go so back important. to and and now the moment the emotion stops serving us and it's no longer appropriate or serving us in a positive way is when we have to look at managing these emotions in a more effective way. Um, now, I know we don't have the app anymore, but we do have a pretty cool download that people can get. And it's going to be kind of step one of, of our, I don't know how many we'll get to today. So I won't even say how many steps we have just in case we don't get to them all. But step one in terms of maintaining or, or developing equanimity. And before I get started, actually, can we say this? Equanimity is like jujitsu or karate or martial arts. It's something that you develop and master. You don't just get it. And it's not something you just get overnight. You don't get a black belt in equanimity because you did two meditations and you went to a workshop once and you did like, you know, you found yourself. Like this is a lifelong pursuit. And, and to me, equanimity became one of my values because I have a pursuit. Like it is now a pursuit. When I don't have it, I feel like it's a loss. I'm like shit, it got me. I couldn't manage it. What lesson does it need to teach me or what am I still missing? Why did this affect me? So for those listening, these tips are like, it's, it's like going to the gym. It's like anything else. They're tips for you to implement and continue using over and over and over again to develop this skill. It's a mastery. It's not just an emotion you get, you take, and then you have it. To me, it's like, it's like balancing. It's like juggling. It's something you have to practice a lot to maintain. Mm-hmm. And I really like that you made that point there. And even as we go through some of these practices, I'm sure our listeners have heard of or done some of these, but to really look at them as I'm doing this to become a master of my own emotions. I'm doing this to become a master of my own state, um, you know, because some of these are common in the the personal development or the, the spiritual world. And sometimes we take up some of these practices because we hear that they're spiritual or that we're supposed to do them. But I think to really understand the benefits of working with some of these practices and how much it can put you in the driver's seat of your own state is so important. And, and whether we do these practices as just a daily practice or whether we're grabbing them for tools in order to bring back our equanimity, um, I think is really important uh, to mention here. So yeah, Joe, why don't you and kick us off? Like it, what it would be like that first step if someone wants to work on their equanimity. Track your emotions. If you're a personal trainer and you want someone to lose weight, you get them to track their food. You get them to create awareness, like anything. If you want someone to increase their business, let's audit your PNL. Let's track everything. Tracking, uh, to me, is the most important part of this. The part with tracking as well is find something. And, and the download that we have has something called an emotional wheel. You know, up until the, the age of maybe 37 or 38, I thought there was like five emotions. You know, like happy, sad, angry, 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 and happy and sad and mad. Like those are like the major emotions that I had. And then suddenly you realize, oh my God, like I'm not just fearful or I'm not just sad or I'm not angry. Oh, okay. So that's not anger. I'm just, uh, maybe I'm hateful right now or I'm resentful or I'm skeptical or I'm anxious or I'm overwhelmed or I'm feeling taken advantage of, or I am worried. Those are all very micro differences when it comes to emotions. And I would start people just track for a day, if not for at least three or four days, use the download, use a notepad, use anything. Anytime you feel like stress starts to come on, you're like, oh, I don't like the way I feel right now. Try to actually pinpoint what is the feeling you're feeling right now. 
So I would start step number one is just increase emotional vocabulary and start tracking. You got to see the trends. That'd be step number one. Mm-hmm. I, I will jump in here. You've been mentioning a download in the show notes. Uh, we're going to leave you a link there. Um, you can go grab that download, which is an emotional wheel um, and a great little worksheet for you there too. Uh, yeah, I, I will praise this step. Definitely. Um, you know, when we had found, I wish mood meter was still out there, um, but an emotional wheel it, it can do the trick just fine. When we found that mood meter and really expanded our own emotional vocabulary, it actually allowed me to see like what emotion I was actually feeling. And I could trace it back to why I was feeling that way. Cause sometimes we don't know what event causes us to feel a certain way, or we might not even understand like where our thoughts are at perpetuating an emotion because uh, emotions follow thoughts. And I will also say that like one of the practices and Sarah, I think you're the one who taught me this is like, if you're having trouble getting started with tracking, like set an alarm on your phone every half hour, every hour, as it goes off, go into your little notes app and go, okay, you can reference our download. What am I feeling right now? Mm -hmm. Um, And get as specific as you possibly can. And then that next step, which I think is so important is ask yourself, how do you want to feel as well? Yeah. For those of you that are going to be using the emotional wheel to track this, please note your page should be filled by the end of the day. Emotions are like waves. They move. We're not stuck in one emotion all day long. We morph through emotions. I could be feeling in, I micro my equanimity now to my us or fucks. And what I mean by this I'm walking past the basement and I notice the light on down. It's like, oh, fuck, I forgot to turn the light off. That little micro moment of me going, ah, oh, fuck. I was like, ah, oh, I lost my composure there. As opposed to, oh, shit, great, I'll go down and get it. So anytime you go, ugh, ugh, fuck, those little micro complaints is you losing that equanimity. And I still lose it every day. Every day of my life, there's an ugh or a fuck or a something. And then I catch myself within the 90 seconds. I think, and I so, think that's really important just to say there that like we're not looking for toxic positivity where you don't ever feel any of those lower emotions or that you know you that everything is rainbows and butterflies like that's not what we're saying here. No, track them so when we dive deeper there's more data we can use to figure out what we can do with this information. Mm-hmm. And, and and most importantly distinguish between you know the difference between worried and insignificant or overwhelmed. They're different. But they're all really under the fear category, but they're a little bit different. That vocabulary really, really helps. And just the awareness on the emotion helps as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so once we're recognizing that we're feeling perhaps an emotion that we don't want to be in, something's happened, we've gotten news, there's a situation in our life. What are some of the practices that we can do to help us uh, shift? Um. Let me think of what order I want to do this in right now. Let's say, so are we looking at, let's say, maybe external sources right now, someone doing something to us? Sure. That takes us off equanimity? Okay. Sure. So let's say someone's bugging you, someone cuts you off, someone says something, annoying person at work, uh, whatever it may be. Um, first thing I would start to look at is look look at the situation, not just from your perspective. Look at it from two different perspectives. Take a bird's eye view and take their view. And when you do that, 
Try doing these four things. So someone cuts me off and I'm irritated. Someone is bugging me. Maybe it's a family member that's driving me nuts. Whatever it may be. I'm going to stop for a second. Instead of looking through my own eyes, I'm going to float above and be a bird watching us interact right now, watching me and watching that other person. Or I'll take their perspective, their eyes looking back at me. And as I do that, I ask myself, or, or I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to do is I look at the situation now from compassion, empathy, understanding, and curiosity. So if someone cuts me off and always almost hits me, you know what? I'm looking at this from a different perspective, maybe his perspective. Maybe he's late. Maybe he's going to the hospital. Maybe who knows what's going on? I'm grateful I didn't get hit. Awesome. There's got to be some understanding and curiosity. I wonder why. I wonder why he cut me off. It's hard for me to be angry now because I'm looking for a solution as to why. So those simple things, empathy, compassion, understanding, and curiosity. And if those don't work, sometimes just use simple just wonder. I wonder why that person is the way they are. I've got no answers. But usually what happens is when you take away that first perspective, looking through your own eyes, like this is happening to you, it's just an event happening to everyone right now. Not just to me. It's happening to everyone. It takes and that I need personal to... sting out of exactly. it. Exactly. And as soon as we use a different perspective, it's hard for us to bring the emotion with us because it's not the same perspective. And it gives us that gap in time. And usually when you when you when you look at something from someone else's perspective, it breaks that 90 second talk, you know, that, that that 90 second emotional clock that we have. And we go into someone else's shoes and go, oh, okay, I can see that. Okay, yeah. Maybe he's just a dick and he's in a hurry. Like, okay, well, no need for me to start shaking my fist and yelling at the people in the car right now. What's that gonna do for me? You know, if it's someone that's uh, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's someone you know. Maybe you're like, wow, like what are they going through today? What kind of pain are they in to behave this way? You know, maybe what are their wounds? What are they going through right now? Why are they so triggered? Curiosity has probably been the number one thing to maintain my equanimity. Mm-hmm. I even, wonder why. Yeah. Even coming back to like that age old saying, like hurt people hurt people. If we're looking at other people doing things to us and we think it's intentional, um, happy people don't hurt other people, you know, people who have great equanimity, people who have emotional intelligence and self-awareness don't hurt other people, at least not really intentionally. And so, and you mentioned family, which I think can be very triggering for a lot of people. Um, especially like there's always conversations when holidays come up and you have to get together with family or extended gatherings. And I know that those situations can be very triggering. So I love what you said there about like, having the perspective of the other person like why are they the way that they are or what are they going through today to like say that comment to me or um to make that rude remark yeah. so and it, and it's not making their activity correct right it's just bringing an understanding to it or a curiosity or an empathy or a compassion to it mm-hmm. if that doesn't work like a math problem you can't figure out is just bewilderment. Oh my God, I have no idea why these people are like this, but man, it makes me, it just makes me laugh. You mean we're not supposed to be judge, jury, and executioner <laughs> all the time? <laughs> well, we can't help but be the judge and the jury. We will always be that. You cannot not judge. That's impossible, but we're not here to, to be the jury for people or the executioner. But when I judge people with compassion, I'm still judging. 
when I judge them with curiosity, I'm still judging. Judgment is just our way of determining like what's going on here. Is it good? Is it bad? Is it right? Is it wrong? We're always judging. Mm-hmm. To tell someone not to judge is, is, is impossible. Yeah. But I like what you said there, like do it with like a point of curiosity as opposed to trying to um, shame someone else, so to say. How am I judging is more important than not judging or am I judging? Mm. When you say to someone, I really like that, you're judging them. You're telling them that you like it compared to not liking it, which which could have been an answer too. So you're giving them your judgment. It's just a positive one. We like those. Yeah. So I, I'm not here to, to, you know, I think how we judge is a great way of looking at that. And um, th- these four ways definitely really help. Definitely takes away some of my, it helps me maintain the equanimity when I do this, that's for sure. So we've talked about, um, you know, increasing our emotional vocabulary and really tracking our emotions. So we gain a lot of awareness about what's going on with them. Joe, you talked to us about, you know, taking on a different perspective so we can, you know, widen our lens. What's another thing that we can do when we are feeling really, really stressed out by something? Uh, Good question. I think one of the most simplest ways of doing this is breath work. Love Mm -hmm. me some breath work. Yeah. Everyone love me some breath work. Love me some breath work. I always go back to Lamaze and pregnant women. And I can't think of something more stressful than popping a watermelon through me. <laughs> and what do they teach them to do to manage this stress? Breathe. Breathe. When you're hyperventilating and high anxiety, what do they get you to do? Breathe. And in any situation, one of the easiest things that we can do to regulate our nervous system is breath work. And I don't know how deep we want to get into this today, but let me make it very simple. Take a nice deep breath in through your nose and your belly. And however many seconds that is, double it on the way out. If it's three seconds on the way in, it's six seconds on the way out. Simple technique. What this does is that if your body thinks it's super stressed, it's not going to breathe in a very slow exhalation. Usually when we're calm and we're relaxed, that sigh of, finish the sentence, the sigh of relief, relief, relief. (sighs) is relief. And once we double our exhalation compared to our inhalation, it triggers our nervous system that we must be relaxed and we must be calm. We can't be stressed. So when we're stressed, we don't go... Um, we normally go (laughs) so breath work is a very simple one youtube some i'm sure there's there's so many types of breath work four seven eight box breathing four four whatever it may be somatic breathing all kinds but the concept is get curious and get good at controlling your breathing because how you control your breathing is how you're going to control your nervous system yes love it you know even at the beginning of the conversation we were talking about um, the negative uh, effects on the body from an emotional perspective. And there's so much study and so much research that's gone into breath work and, and the health benefits that it has brought to the body. So you're literally counteracting um, any negative forces that have been happening from the emotions. Yeah. Um, another thing I know that you want to talk about is is meditation as well. And so after regulating that nervous system and bringing yourself back into a calmer state, um, meditation and reflecting 
is so important on why we had these emotions. Um, and perfect. You know, once the breath work is done, the next best step or next logical step to take would be looking at some reflection or meditation. So whether it's a deep meditation and you're going into trance and hypnosis doing this, or if it's just pen to paper reflection, once you've calmed yourself down, once you've taken different perspectives, start looking at this and reflecting on the situation and ask yourself, what's the lesson this is teaching me? Or what's the gift in this garbage? The gift in the garbage um, question I really, really like. And what I, what I refer to by the gift in the garbage, when the world shits on you and it's just shitting on you, what's the manure? It's manure. What can you grow from this manure? When there's garbage being dumped on you, what's the gift? What's the diamond in the rough that we can find in this? Sometimes it takes some massive gratitude to say, you know, if it was an, if it was an accident or someone almost cut you off and hit you, hey, you know what? I didn't get hurt. There's some gratitude in this. If someone's really annoying you, what's the gift in this? Or what's the lesson it's trying to teach me? Is this teaching me patience? Is this teaching me resiliency? Is this teaching me better communication? What's this trying to teach me? And this kind of goes back to that curiosity. You know, when you ask yourself, what's the gift in the garbage or what's the lesson, your brain starts to not look for all the crap anymore, but it's trying to look for the good in the situation. And that's kind of what we're trying to do is once we balance that nervous system, shift our perspective now to something positive. I like that. It's it's kind of like, you know, every cloud has a silver lining and it goes back also to what you said at the beginning, like life can happen to us or it can happen for us. And when we get yes. curious and we start asking, then life happens for us. 100%. And if no one's um, familiar with Ray Dalio's principles for success, do yourself a favor. If you're not a big reader, it, it, it's a big book. So if you're not a huge reader, you can go onto YouTube and in 20 minutes or less, get an amazing summary of this book in complete animation that goes through the hero's journey. And the hero's journey is going to teach us that bad stuff's going to happen to us. There's going to be points where we're in the abyss, shit's happening. And in those moments where we feel like we're in the abyss, when things are really happening, quote unquote, to us, there's always lessons in there for us to come out of that as the hero. So usually all these bad things that are triggering us, there's always going to be some kind of gift within those that we can take from it. Yeah, it's almost like having that empowered mindset as opposed to a victim-based mindset, you know? Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. So yeah, we, we we call this being at cause or being at effect. When people, so so people that feel like everything's happening to them, they're at effect. If things are happening for them, they're at cause, meaning that I'm the root of all this. I take full responsibility for everything that's happening in my life, both good and bad, because I can. I am response able. And if you listen to our last podcast, or if you haven't listened to our last podcast, I recommend you do that, where I kind of reframed this word responsible to response able. But for our purposes today, what I'm referring to is that you are now in control of how you want to respond to things. Remember earlier when I said that whatever, whoever controls your emotion controls you, this is giving you that control back. Mm -hmm. Yes, Absolutely. And when we're in a victim mindset, or if we're, you know, at effect of life, we're just going to feel like we're constantly being shit on. And, and it, that's just going to perpetuate our emotions even more. So I absolutely love what you just said there. 
You can yeah. complain that the manure, the, you can complain that the manure smells, or you can plant something with it and grow something beautiful. It's completely up to you. Ooh, I love that. Love that yeah. so much. Victim mm. mentality, creator mentality. Yes. Yes. Now there's a couple more things that we can do here um, to really, you know, uh, take control of our own equanimity. Joe, why don't you wrap us up here with these last two? Um, the other two is is really being aware of who are you surrounding yourself with and who do you have for support? Find people that support you. Find people that lift you up. Don't engage in gossiping. Don't engage in people that are constantly just complaining and being victims that aren't lifting you up. And there's a difference between sharing. Like, I mean, everyone that we're close with, we share the shit we go through. We don't complain about it, though. We share we look for perspectives. Sharing something is different than complaining about something. So we're never saying not to, you know, not to share the stuff that you're going through, but how you say to other people. Surround yourself with that are powerful, that are compassionate, that are empathetic, that are willing to see your point, you know, not just to see your point of view, but share different perspectives to help you through these situations. Mm -hmm. And the other thing with that too is be careful with what you're consuming. If you're waking mm -hmm. up every day and the first thing you do is go on to social, go on to the news and listen to the radio and then listen to people complain all day at work and go back in your car and listen to the news again and scroll all night and just see nonsense, of course, internally, your brain's going to be like, oh, my God. Ugh. It's just constant stress coming in. So be very careful with what you're consuming and who you're surrounding yourself with as well. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. that this is I'm such a key point. Yager, did you want to jump in there? Well, I was probably going to say the same thing you were going to say about like, this, this is so important point, that it's so important because as Joe mentioned, like in his own story, like it's, it's continual, it's work, it's, you know, the step-by-step moment-to-moment improvements and who is around you, who's supporting you on this journey. And then in what ways might you be uh, hindering your capacity to grow by like, you know, getting up and going on social media and doom scrolling? Here's a really cool activity you could try. Take out a sheet of paper. Along, uh, you know, draw maybe two columns. And on the first column going down, list all the people you interact with. Everyone, family, friends, including the people that you interact with on social media. Write them down. Beside their name, on a scale of one to five, give them a plus five or a minus five. When you spend time with them, when you converse with them, whenever you engage with them, are they adding energy to you or are they taking energy away? A minus five is like, oh my God, every time I'm around them, I can't wait to get rid of them. I can't wait to leave the situation. They're <laughs> dragging me down. And the plus fives are like, oh my God, even when I'm feeling my worst, this person's lifting me up and they're there for me. Include the people you text with all the time, the people that you're doing DMs with all the time and give yourself a score with all these people. And it's fascinating. We did this last uh, two years ago in our mastermind, Sarah. And I remember at that time I made a list and I'm not going to say any names, but there's some names on there and there were negatives, but they're in my life more than the people that were positive because the habit of hanging out with them and the habit of just them being there was always there. And I still step back and go, wow, who am I surrounding myself with right now? And why is this guy or girl who has a plus five I see once a year? That's sad. And all these other people are taking up too much time. So it's a very simple activity you can do as well is just audit. Audit what you're consuming, who you're surrounding yourself with, and, and see if it's adding to your life or taking away. Yeah. 
This is such an important point. Even like the music that you listen to, the types of TV shows that you listen to. I know like true crime is like huge and you'll find it anywhere in documentaries. And trust me, I love my true crime <laughs> shows. Hello. Um, like Forensic Files, binger over here. But I do recognize that the state that it puts me in and it is it is a very negative state with all the doom and gloom and murder and you know story after story of just tragedy that has such an effect on your mood and I don't think people realize how much the stuff that they consume actually um, and how that makes them feel like it's so I love your audit there, yeah. Joe, like audit everything, audit what you listen to, audit, you know, who you follow on social media and and really how they're making you feel. I like that. And we don't recognize sometimes the music and the shows that we watch, even though they, they're, they, we like the shows, our eyes are still having to absorb and filter that information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's still seeing and hearing things like death and murder and all these things. And, and in our brains, we have to spend energy now going, is this real? Is it not? Should I be afraid? Not? Is this entertainment? Is it not? And last week, you and I even both said, we, we binged. I can't remember what we binged for, for, bunch of episodes and I don't know if it's true crime or the crime watch or whatever it was, but we would say like, like I, I felt disgusting going to bed. Like I, I need to give myself some time before I went to bed. I'm like, I can't go to bed. And this be the last thing that was on my brain. Yeah. I remember that. It just felt so dark Yeah, and, and, and just heavy. And it's like, Oh, I've just watched three hours of people killing each other. Hmm. Happy dreams. Yeah, um, how's so that going to prime you for <laughs> the rest of your life? Right. Just like the air that we breathe has to be filtered, the food that we eat has to be filtered, the information and everything we consume is filtered by our brains, whether we like it or not, at a very high rate. And so we got to be very conscious of what we choose to filter into our body. Yeah. And the more you do this work and the more you pay attention, like especially the, the more you track your mood, you'll actually realize the sensitivity to these. Um, it's not yeah. something I paid attention to or recognized. And I even noticed now I, I cannot, I'm so like uh, repulsed by um, like derogatory, like rap music and like stuff like that. I just, mm. I feel so repulsed by it. Like some of the languaging and, and just the way that they might, you know, portray women or, or stuff like that. I just find it those words and just, I can't even listen to it now. Whereas before I'd be like pumping it in my car as like a teenager and, you know, one of the cool kids. Um, but as you recognize how these things affect your emotion or the state that you're in, you recognize how much control you actually have um, of the way that you want to feel through these various means. So uh, last, but certainly, certainly not least, Joe, we have self-care. And so how does, how does self-care really fall into maintaining your equanimity? Well, the more you spend time taking care of yourself, um, the more you spend time doing activities that boost your mood, well, those minutes turn into hours, those hours turn into weeks, and you're spending more time in better states, you know, getting out, moving, playing cards, uh, you know, playing sports, working out, um, Anytime you're taking care of yourself, you're usually feeling pretty good about that. And self-care can be, you know, activities. And self-care is not just okay, working out and taking care of your body, but it's literally taking care of, of, you know, it could be going to the spa. It could be getting massages. It could be anything that's aiding in your batteries charging. Go, and going for anything a walk, that, watching the sunrise. Exactly. Things that bring you joy. Yeah. You know, it's the heart boosters. It's the things that make you feel good and being mindful to add more things to your day. 
And this is something I've been doing for the last couple of years, just and been preaching is, is just how important it is to schedule and mindfully, sounds weird, mindfully go have fun. Like mindfully mm. do more things that bring joy into your day and into your life, as small as they can be, as micro as they can be. Find more things that boost your life. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Sarah, didn't you write a whole book on <laughs> on this yeah by the way there's a book called follow the joy if you're interested <laughs> check the show notes um yeah and i think this also ties into you know we've been talking about stress on the body and when we are stressed or we stay in that stressed out state uh, you know our throws our mood off the way we interact with people the way that we feel and so even this self-care is like a preemptive to you know keep yourself in a good equanimity before you actually have to pull yourself out of it the more relaxed we are the more calm we are the more we feel um secure within our body within our environment the better our mood is going to be and the better we're going to feel in the state that we actually want to be in i love that it's like the more the more grounded and rooted you are the harder it is to pull you out of equanimity and i think if we're already stressed it's so easy for like the smallest inconvenience to knock us even further away from our center Mm -hmm. there's one thing i left off this list in greer you just reminded me you're so welcome proper sleep and recovery Mm, yeah Because if you are not fully charged, when you're tired, you have no ability to manage stress. Oh, sorry, that's 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 a when you're tired, it's not as easy to manage stress. And if you're exhausted, it's not any easier to manage stress. When you are fully charged, when you're recovered, when you wake up full of energy, it's a lot easier to deal with these things. So if you're running in the red. Yes, put that more into the self-care category possibly is really make sure you're focusing on your recovery and your rest. Yes. Yeah, I think, yeah. I don't know who says this, but there's a really great line that's like, when you're tired, you find yourself fighting battles that you've already won. Mm. So, yeah. That's I like that. Yeah, that's great. Should we quickly recap these for our listeners? Yeah, go for it. So equanimity. That mental calmness, that composure, even temper, especially in difficult situations. Tips for doing this. Start tracking your emotions and increasing your emotional vocabulary. Head over to the website. We have a nice download there for you. Step two, look at different perspectives. So if something's pissing you off, something's stressing you out, look at it from a different perspective, their perspective or a bird's eye view. Add compassion, empathy, understanding, and some curiosity to that. Once we're done that, breath work neutralize, bring that nervous system back down, reflection and meditation, using the manure to uh, grow something great in or looking for the gift in the garbage and then surrounding and supporting yourself and being careful with what you consume. And lastly, the self-care and recovery. So if you're looking to maintain and balance equanimity, see if any of these help you. This is so, so thank you so much. Yes. Thank, thank you, you guys. This is fantastic. You know, I think if we can, um, inspire at least one of our listeners to focus on equanimity. And, you know, what we've talked about here, there's nothing groundbreaking. You know, we hear about breath work and meditation and, you know, self-care all the time, but are we using these in a way in order to 
prime ourselves or in order to shift ourselves when we want to shift them, not just doing them because, because some guru said that meditation is great, but are we actually taking these tools and practically using them to help us shift or create the state that we want, I think is a really important point to take away from all this. And so thank you so much, Joe. This is fantastic. Anything else anybody wants to add or is this like a mic drop uh, on the podcast? Mic drop, moment. Mic drop it, baby. Wonderful. Thank you for listening. We will catch you on the next episode.